welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy, folks. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Anthony Tyler, and uh, we're broadcasting here initially on the Fringe FM. And we are in the middle of some true crime fever. We kind of kick-started it, talking a little bit about um, possession in like the, the Jungian sense. You know, Carl Jung, the psychoanalyst, um, among other things. And we talked about Israel Keys. Uh, we talked about Gary Heidnick and what was his name? Harrison Graham, um, some killers that were damn near next door to each other in Philadelphia in the 80s. Um, we also talked about Michael Alleg, party monster, played by Macaulay Culkin in the not so great movie in 2003, uh, based on the true story. Um, and in the past, we've talked about schizophrenic serial killers like the Shoemaker of Philadelphia. Um, I'm not choosing Philadelphia in particular. It's just some crazy cases, um, and among other things. So, But we're back with some more true crime just because I'm really feeling it. And this is a one-of-a-kind story. We're talking about Pedro Rodriguez Filo, um, known as Pedrino Matador, which I uh, means Killer Petey, essentially. This dude is... Uh, known as Brazilian Dexter, Brazilian Punisher. Um, you know, I, these names get pretty silly pretty quickly. But right off the bat, if we're going to choose a nickname, I'm going with the Brazilian Punisher. And we'll talk about why that rings pretty true. We'll get into this guy's story. Uh, some things out the gate, I guess real quick, you know, go check out my website, divemind.net. Uh, you could check out my books, Dive Manual and Hunt Manual. Um, yeah, quick plugs there, but I guess I could leave it at that. There's not a whole lot else going on at the moment. Um, uh, but uh, right out the gate, it's important to know with the um, Killer Petey story here, the Brazilian Punisher, that there are some language barriers going on. Uh, this guy died at the end of March this year, 2023. Um, if that gives you perspective, this story is still is still cooling off, even though it's been ongoing since like the 70s. He was born in 1954. So this guy, um, uh, he's, he, he's, he's only done a handful of interviews. He went on a podcast and at once he did uh, some interviews with some journalists. Uh, and uh, that and whatever public record that Brazilian journalists have looked into is pretty much all we have. And, you know, police reports. He spent something like 40 years in prison. And um, the majority of his murders, certainly on record, were well documented because they were while he was in prison. This is um, a, the, uh, layers of an onion for sure. Um it's crazy that he even because he actually he died a free man despite murdering he claims um upwards of a hundred people we know on record that he killed like 71 at least and um over 40 i think almost 50 of those murders were in prison and he died a free man how bad was this guy though clearly he was not a good person he was not a sadistic uh, person in the psychosexual sense, though. You know, there's so many serial killers that um, fit this motif. And in fact, this is the typical serial killer model, but they fit this psychosexual model where some sort, it can be skewed in a variety of ways and we don't have to go into it all right now, but it always stems from not just um something unhealthy but a a complete a complete breakdown of the um you know i what's the easiest way to put it um sex is essentially the most intimate part of the human experience and you know that's where a lot of people's um healthy or neurotic tendencies can come out you know because that's where our guard is down the most and so forth um and if you don't have healthy sexual releases, habits, partners, 
uh, if you don't have a healthy sexual lifestyle in one way or another, then, um, or you were born into a situation that quickly spiraled into a place where you could never learn um, proper sexual boundaries, like, you know, children in sexually abusive families and things. Um, you know, that's how you get people that end up going out and trying to quote unquote, like cleanse the street of, you know, ladies of the night is, is it not kosher to say uh, hookers anymore? I don't know. I, I thought prostitute was the technical term, but I feel like even that is uh, considered derogatory these days. Uh, sex workers, right? Okay. There we go. And Pedro though, he didn't have that. Um, it, it's interesting um, that he did seem to be, I don't know if anyone's truly born with this. Um, I think that we all have seeds, you know, it's like the, the, the silly cliche, like we all have two wolves inside of us and which one are you going to feed? I mean, you know, there's way better ways to say that, but you know, there's truth to it. Um, and Pedro just, uh, he was born into an extremely violent environment. You know, his father was alcoholic and abusive and, um, supposedly um beat his mother while she was pregnant with pedro um and he claims gave him um a, a slightly misshapen head so he claims that his brain is slightly damaged and that he's more of a sociopath because of it you know before he hit puberty he tells this anecdote of um wanting to feel like wanting to understand the power of um having a, a life in your hands, a human life. Um, so he pushed an older cousin of his that he was in a fight with into a cane grinding press, which sounds excruciating. Um, and I believe it really fucked up his arm, but I, he definitely didn't die. And it's reported that his first crime was at the age of 14 when his father was fired from a, a job as a caretaker at a municipal school because he was accused of stealing lunches. So Pedro went and uh, he, he, he took his father's gun and he went to wherever this guy was and shot him. Um, the shot the mayor of the city that apparently that had fired his father. Remember, this is uh, Brazil. So it's a little different than the U S because I don't think that a U.S. mayor would really have anything to do with um municipal workers on a day-to-day -day. and then pedro um shoots a, a security guard who he thought was the real thief so he shoots two people right there and then he splits he splits to um elsewhere i'm i'm sorry i'm not even going to try to pronounce these uh these brazilian names i'm going to do what i can with the actual names of the people that's going to jive in my head a little more but look mogi das cruzes that just sounds ridiculous. He he fled elsewhere where his godparents lived. Um, and he, you know, tried to set up shop around there. And that's where um, he meets uh, the widow of a drug lord named Botina. And they move in together and he starts taking over um, the dead man's tasks as well as his lover. Um, and so he starts uh, doing some, you know, medium time drug peddling. And even ends up taking out three former accomplices uh, because they're rivals. But um, eventually, and see, this is where some of the language barrier stuff comes in. We just, there's just crazy details that are glossed over. And I look as hard as I can. Um, and there's only so much that I can find. Um, but his, uh, his, his girlfriend, former girlfriend of the drug dealer, um, was executed by police. And he escaped and continued to sell drugs with other people and met another woman. Before we move on to that, um, it's fascinating the amount of like folklore and mythology that immediately goes into the story. It's very similar to the story of Richard Kuklinski in, in, so, in some of the ways um, in some of the ways of his character, but even more so in how the story has manifested. You know, there's some people out there 
who think that, you know, Richard the Iceman Kuklinski, uh, infamous mafia hitman of the uh, Gambino crime family and some of the other crime families in New York. Um, they think that he's mostly a liar. Um, and, and he has been caught in lies, um, you know, involving some of his confessions post-prison sentence. But there has been a whole lot that has been corroborated. And uh, they, you know, because of his HBO interviews that were released, you know, like some years ago at this point, he, there were a lot of uh, cold cases that were solved because of just the ramblings that he talked about. So we know Kuklinski wasn't completely full of shit, but there's this, this larger than life mythos. And as we'll get into later, you know, in some cases, Pedro here is full of shit as well. Like many serial killers, there are parts of their life where all we can do is take their word into account because they have the only side of the story, like, you know, final moments of a victim, for example, or maybe likely uh, bits and pieces of their childhood. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. And like Richard Kuklinski, Pedro Filo is, um, he has enough documentation for certain um, where we know without a doubt that this guy was an absolute infamous killer. We just uh, don't know all the fine point details in some cases. And in some of these cases, we have to take his word for it. But there is enough to be corroborated here. You know, even through in his early beginnings, like we know for a fact that he he shot um, his his father's boss, uh, evidently the mayor, you know, so he he left a trail of breadcrumbs. But we don't know in all the ways that he might be embellishing the story. So but this is the, you know, the legend of freaking Padrino Matador. And if I had more time. Or honestly, like if I was um, being paid by some sort of outlet to do research so that I could sink my teeth into it, um, I would fully invest myself in a rabbit hole of trying to do some interpreting. You know, if anyone out there listening to the show speaks Portuguese, um, hit me up and maybe we can honestly do some translating because uh, I don't really have a way to listen to these interviews what little interviews he has in their own words because there's no none of this is mainstream it's mainstream enough to where we've heard about it in the west but you know this is compared to something heavily digested in the in in the collective western mind um like ted bundy this is not even close this is barely fleshed out and I mean, even in general, um, it doesn't even seem like the porch, uh, the Brazilian media has um, illustrated the story as much as it possibly could be. I don't know. Th th there might be a book in Brazil. Uh, but as far as I know, there isn't any book, particularly in the West, that is any sort of definitive biography. You know, I don't even think this guy's really made it into um like crime docu-series or anything like that there you know you'd think that there would be some sort of netflix true crime miniseries about this guy i feel like there inevitably has to be at some point this is an insane story but the the information bridge has not been uh crossed yet you know there's still a lot more digging to be done and you know um i if if anyone listening to this has the the time and interest you go set forth, try to look into this further. You know, I don't need, I'm not trying to monopolize the idea, but I'll tell you, it's interesting enough to where, given the time, I might try to look into this more. But again, what we have at hand is uh, certainly interesting. A lot of it is documented. Some of it is his own personal account. And, um, but it, and there's a lot more to be said. So keep all those things in mind. Um, as we go through quite a bit more here. So he kills his um, father's former employer, moves elsewhere in Brazil, starts dealing drugs. His girlfriend gets executed by police. He escapes, continues selling drugs, meets another woman, Maria Olympia. Um, and um, 
reports say, you know, that's still, that's his muse, apparently. That's the woman he's still in love with. He has her name uh, tattooed on his arm next to the inscription, I am capable of killing for love. Um, She got pregnant, uh, but she never had the baby. And um, one day when he entered the house, he found her um, dead. She would, she had been executed, shot. And, and it's just striking me now in many ways, especially particularly, particularly right here, it's kind of the Brazilian crow, right? Eric Draven. You know, again, I'm not trying to romanticize. This guy's not a superhero or anything, but I mean, the crow is not technically a superhero either. I'm just saying this is, you're hard pressed to find a story like this. We'll get into this guy's code of ethics a little bit, but he was not a good guy. It's weird. It's strange that someone that should be so heavily invested in murder should have any sort of code of ethics. And Richard Kuklinski had some sort of code of ethics, but he was he would uh he blew a guy's head off in traffic for cutting him off. So uh it was a bit loose. I'm sorry, I don't mean to I mean it's dark, but uh just it's just preposterous. It's unbelievable. And and that was something that was actually confirmed of all Kuklinski's stories. So yeah. Killer PD here doesn't seem to be you know, he doesn't have a record of doing that. He doesn't even have a record of, you know, re- like beating his wife or any of his girlfriends. But again, we only have so much information. This guy's definitely a savage either way. So what happened when Killer Petey, Brazilian Punisher here, uh, found his girlfriend dead? His second girlfriend executed? Which sounds just insane, but Brazil is an insane place, especially in this day. I mean, it's still pretty wild from what I hear, but um, this is, you know, the lower class of Brazil baptized in fire, just violence everywhere. Um, Something that I am not extremely familiar with, like, you know, I certainly was not born into violence, but... Um, Brazilian culture is only something I'm marginally familiar with. <clears throat> Was not raised around that at all either. So I can only imagine what this guy does though. He's not even 18 yet. Okay. I don't know if, uh, if we did an age check yet, he's like 16, 17 years old doing all this stuff. Again, he murdered his, uh, father's employer at the age of 14. So he seeks revenge. He goes on a true Punisher style killing spree one by one, systemically finding, torturing, and killing several people, um, trying to discover the people responsible for murdering his girlfriend and his unborn child. And uh, reportedly, the way he finally found out is the mastermind of the incident. Uh, it, and again, it was a drug selling thing. Um. Uh, the the mastermind was ratted out by an ex-wife. So Killer Petey, Pedrino Matador, uh, and four friends visited him during a wedding party. He was marrying a new wife. And they left a trail of seven dead and 16 wounded, uh, including that mastermind. And then afterwards, he, sh- he turned um, 18. Still wasn't 18 at that time. Uh, several deaths under his belt, and he was finally arrested. Where he and he lost contact with uh, with his gang, and apparently he learned to read and write. So that's good, at least. Interesting notes here. Um, I'm, some some of this that I've been reading so far. In fact, most of it has been um, Google translated from a Brazilian article that I found, and it says um, psychiatrists Antonio Jose Elias Andros. And Norbeto Zoner Jr. Okay. Well, not the best, but I was at least um, able to fumble my way through it. Um, they analyzed Pedrino Matador, Killer Petey, in 1982 for an expert report um, and wrote that his greatest motivation in life was the, quote, violent affirmation of his own self. They diagnosed, quote, unquote, paranoid and antisocial character. Uh, I- interesting. Makes sense. The article notes, um, when Pedrino went behind bars, 
the car of the year was the Ford Maverick. You needed an operator to make a long distance call and Chile had not even entered um, the Pinochet dictatorship. Since then, the matador has been transformed into a walking treatise on life in prison, informed um, that his enemies were setting up an ambush. Oh, this is wild. Check this out. But he ends up buying a knife. He's attacked in prison. So he's got a knife on him. Uh, one dude jumps out and then four more come after him. Um, and after a few minutes of fighting, he had killed three of them. And he was still fighting. The other two remaining ran. And that was in prison. That was while he was serving time. That's heavily documented. This dude is a bad motherfucker. Those guys probably had shanks too. This is unbelievable. This guy just brute force. He's not even that big either. Uh, but just an absolute, absolute monster. You know, like real life Rambo type shit here. This is insane. I wish I knew how big he was. I don't have stats on his height or anything. I don't think he's particularly huge though. Either way, you know. Good Lord. Um, the article continues saying that he gained notoriety clearly in prison. Um, and he likes to bolster his fame by telling other stories, like I was saying earlier, uh, many of which are unclear whether or not they actually happened. Like many serial killers, his testimonies often mix reality and fantasy. And most of the corpses he is proud to have produced have never been found. Um, I, I think that's, again, this is translated. Um, most of his corpses have not been found. They haven't found some of the unclaimed stuff. Very little of the ones that they knew of, that they didn't know about have not been found. But you know, he's got a documented body count of seventy-one. Um, but he he claims over a hundred, I believe, or at least at a hundred. Um, so Killapedi says with pride that he killed his own father after that father killed his mother. Um, of some sort of suspected affair. And uh, Killer Petey said that to avenge her, he stabbed his father's chest and ate a piece of his heart. And this is where the Brazilian Punisher starts to look pretty insane. Uh, but it's it's also the unfoldment, the folklorish nature of this story is really, um, we're able to penetrate it deeply with this story because you see this... Um, replicated uh and just thrown through the rumor mill over and over and over in the western media i didn't see a single place in um in any article anything um that disputed with any sort of evidence the possibility or proposed the possibility that he had that he had been lying about this uh about killing his father and in fact i heard uh, i heard it a few different ways I heard that he visited prison to kill his father, which doesn't make any sense because he hadn't been released from prison yet. Um, and then the only plausible way it could really happen, which I also heard, was that he arranged in prison to be near his father to kill him. But in this article I found, this Brazilian article, it says, uh, the problem is that in testimony to a psychiatrist, a prison psychiatrist, he told another story. He said that his father was murdered by relatives of a mistress. Um, as well as this one, several reports made by him have contradictions. Um, therefore, it's not known how many people he actually murdered. In some crimes, there is simply no uh, evidentiary record. Uh, in the penitentiary, he says, he killed a prisoner nicknamed something I am not going to try and say, uh, who extorted family members from inmates and threw them into the elevator pit. And threw him into the elevator pit. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. I get it. Um, officials at the institution remember the case, uh, but the man dead does not appear on the list of um, of uh, good old Brazilian Punisher's convictions. Everything shows that the investigation did not identify the murderer or that the death was assumed by another prisoner. Um, a favor that bandit leaders usually ask of uh, less important members of the gang. Okay, so I think this could be explained a little bit better uh, because there's a little bit of a language barrier here. Um, but 
you know, it's an example. Someone could have been doing a favor for him. He could have been doing a favor for someone else. Um, he maybe didn't do it at all and uh, just took credit for, you know, an unrelated deal that he saw go down. We don't really know. Here's another curious bit. Uh, the most striking aspect of a Brazilian Punisher's biography is the lack of information. He knows next to nothing about his processes. Um, interviewed, he was surprised to learn that there are only 18 accusations, you know, um, officially put forth against him. And he said, just that, it can't be that little. Um, many old documents disappeared into a black hole before the courts were computerized in Brazil. The most chaotic period for penitentiary records in Brazil is the 1970s, and many documents uh, disappeared. And in order to survey the histories of criminals from that period, the most reliable source is verbal testimonies. Um, so, yeah, not a whole lot we can do about that. This is where folklore and legend comes in. And we just have to sift through it the best we can. The story of Pedrino Matador shows how the prison system made a dangerous bandit um, with psychiatric problems have his condition aggravated, resulting in an even greater sense of killing. Uh, as time went by, Pedrino began to pull the knife for increasingly futile reasons in prison. And every time he was transferred to nine different institutions, he committed more crimes. Um, from 1992 to 2002, he was apparently completely isolated in a solitary confinement where he um, only had contact with jailers, no other inmates at all. He assumed himself um, or he amused himself by playing solitaire and doing gymnastics. And here's here's another wild bit. This is how he became a free man at some point. This article was written as he was... Um, coming up on the 30 year mark because even though he was sentenced to over like a hundred years for some reason the uh the, the the brazilian law they give you however many years they want but you only serve up to 30 years in prison and then in some cases they can keep you slightly longer if you do offenses in prison but anything past 30 is really pushing it and they weren't able to give him much more than that. I think he ended up staying maybe another year or two after the 30 mark. Um, and then he, he he was out of prison for four or five years. Then he was put back in prison for like seven years for, um, it says, inciting riots. And as I understand that, um, it seems to me that these were not riots that he was actively participating in. but um the riots that he had participated in in the past in prison so it doesn't fully make sense to me um that's what i seem to glean and there's not a whole lot of information particularly out there about that but it whatever the case he was arrested and thrown back in prison for inciting riots but either way, he did not spend much more than I think he spent a total around 40 years in prison when you take all of it into account. How did he do that when he murdered over almost 50 people in prison alone? Well, it's because uh, whatever Brazilian law they have, um, I don't know the legal reasons other than just the fact that law exists. But this article notes that it's just unheard of for an inmate in these prisons to even la make it that long. So for people to actually survive and be released after 30 years is almost completely unheard of. And it's no wonder this guy murdered almost 50 people in prison. There's even one story where he was being transferred to a different penitentiary um, with a, a guy who was known for sexual crimes. He was a rapist. And I also read one bit where um, Killer Petey there says that this guy, he felt he thought this guy spied on him during a conjugal visit. So they were being transferred together. They were locked together um, in the back of a good old paddy wagon. And by the time the guards get there, unlock the door at the other penitentiary, um, Petey has busted out of his shackles and completely murdered this guy. Blood is all over the back of this paddy wagon. 
Um, that's how brutal this guy was. Let's take a quick commercial break here. Let's collect ourselves a little bit. We've talked a lot about uh, this man's upbringing, his uh, his small-time crime rise, his uh, prolific Charles Bronson-esque Brazilian murder spree in prison, even though Charles Bronson didn't actually murder anybody. And then uh, after the break, we'll wrap his story up. We'll talk about his grisly demise, uh, some of the things he did after prison, and do some analysis on this strange, enigmatic, confusing character, the Brazilian Punisher, Pedro Rodriguez Field. Listen, as we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown, high strangeness, consciousness, and our human potential, Lighting the Void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating conversations. Join us on The Fringe FM. Hello, everybody. This is dang old uh, Tippy Patson here from um, the Black Hoodie Alchemy episodes. I, I'm just, uh, we're trying to get a whole bunch of different people um, down to the Everglades where we formed our little uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you know, so we can uh, figure out animal telepathy and we can wrestle Illuminati gators and make gator nuggets and uh, we can, um, you know, stop the harvest of adrenochrome and we can smoke a whole lot of catnip and do and basically save humankind so you know if you want to hear the black hoodie alchemy episodes uh where me and my crew the league of extraordinary gentlemen are uh um telling you know bringing our message just check out black hoodie alchemy episodes 14 30 32 33 34 35 and 38 now just remember Tippy Patton wants you to come down to the Florida Everglades and help him save the world from the Illuminati alligators. Uh, but there will be no animal wanking off. Uh, don't we don't do that here anymore? Okay. Well, we're just gonna be wrestling them. No, no other, no bad touches. All right, come down to the Everglades. Take care. Bye. I'm a pirate, and my name is Apex Monsoon. Arg, hello there. I am a pirate. Arg, I am a ghost pirate. Arg, I am the cosmic ghost pirate, Apex Monsoon, member of Tippy Patson's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I have a new product for you to purchase with your spare doubloons. Are you looking for more luck on your UFO and Sasquatch hunts? Or more luck finding the booty? Well, I have traveled the seven cosmic seas and, you know, killed a lot of time. So together, with my friend Bayou Jones as illustrator, I have created the Magic Dolphin Tarot Deck. It's full of dolphins and cool pirate things like the needles they used to use to inject mercury into their shafts to uh, combat STDs. And you can find it at Tippy Patson's website, this tarot deck, at tippypatson.edu.government forward slash backslash dot com. 
and you can travel the universe with your third eye and uh, find the booty, matey. Arg, I'm a ghost pirate. The cosmic ghost pirate, matey. Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They have no idea how to get their music heard, and they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry-powered digital marketing platform, we can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels, so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com. Hello, my name is uh, Muscle Tornado, and when I'm not studying the holy book of Hulkamania, brother, um, and when I'm not smoking out of a bong uh, some sweet DMT, I'm often wondering to myself, um, what's the proper protocol for uh, alligator wrestling safety? As you may have recently heard, uh, I now have a hook hand. So I'm here to uh, tell you today, I have a new safety and combat DVD full of training and knowledge tips for your ascension to enlightenment through the fist and the mind, just the way Hulk would want it. I have this DVD full of um, gator wrestling safety tips and hook hand combat tactics. According to Wikipedia, the two extant species are the American alligator and the Chinese alligator. Alligators first appeared during the Oligonquian Epoch about 37 million years ago. Um, and all gators will bite your hand off if you try to grab their crotch. That's it for now, folks. Go to Tippy Patson's website at tippypatson dot um um government and forward and a three backslashes uh dot education. to black hoodie alchemy folks we are halfway through our conversation about pedro rodriguez filo aka brazilian punisher aka pedrino matador let's recap a little bit firstly the information we have is limited because of the socio-cultural and particularly language barriers, but um, and as we went into a little bit, also because of the uh, the burgeoning computer system and processing the paperwork into the computer databases in Brazil, uh, some of that did not go so well. So, just as a public record, we have less in Brazil um, when it comes to cases like Pedro Filo. And if you think that's weird, um, I mean, it is kind of weird in today's age of, you know, rapidly expanding information on the Internet. But it's it's not that weird. Um, It does happen. And another good example, particularly in true crime, where it can be sensitive as well. uh, And there's court documents and it might uh, make a um, it might make some police look bad. In some cases, there's politics involved, um, and especially in a case of uh, limited freedoms, 
uh, particularly media freedoms in Russia, um, the most recent and currently most infamous uh, highest body count Russian serial killer, Mikhail Popkov, um, was uh, active between 1992 and 2010 when he was taken down. He was actually a Russian police officer. And he killed, um, uh, suspected of at least 83 victims. And there is a lot of information about this guy we don't have. We just have information that glosses over. And unless we can contact um, a Russian um, journalist that has been deeply embedded in this, you know, there's no other, there hasn't been any books, like someone in Russia, someone either needs to get to Russia to get their heads in on some of the actual documentation and the people that were around this case, or people in Russia need to flush this case further out to the public. And the same goes for uh, Pedro Filo, Brazilian Punisher here. Um, th this case needs to be fished out of the of the environment that it's in and spread to the collective consciousness. You know, I wish I had more information here. Um, the, the, even in the different notes I have, uh, there's some conflicting material, some of which we've gone over. Um, I see different uh, numbers for even the amount of people he killed in prison. You know, but it seems to be definitely somewhere between 40 and 50. And um, I'm sorry, I haven't been citing the things that I've been referencing in my notes here. Some of it is scattered, um, but especially for a story like this, I promise you can go to the show notes. Sometimes I haven't followed through and it, it wasn't really that necessary anyway. But for something like this, where the notation and, you know, we only have so much, I'm definitely going to put everything that um, I've used in the show description. Some of it is also going to be in Portuguese, but thankfully we could translate that pretty easily. If it's in print, of course. To make it explicitly clear, this dude did seem to have a genuine code of ethics where he never killed anybody that was innocent. He never killed any women or children. Um, and he claimed to only murder rapists, pedophiles, drug traffickers, and assassins, you know, bad people. He said his motivation was anger and not bloodlust. But he did say he enjoyed the act of killing these people, these bad people, quote unquote. And, you know, going through some of my other notes in here, I'm seeing one source say that it later turned out. So when he was 14, he killed his father's employer who fired him for suspected thievery. And then he also killed the man that he himself actually thought was the thief. And a note here I got says that the man ended up, um, records show that the man was not the thief, that someone else was a thief. So he should have probably felt some sort of remorse, but apparently did not. Um, you know, it's also said that he murdered former colleagues in his ascent up the local drug ring empire. Um, um, it also says that in prison, he beheaded a man who was accused of murdering his sister with a blunt knife. Um, Pedro said, he was my friend, but I had to kill him. And, you know, we've gone over some of the other things like he murdered that guy in the back of a paddy wagon um in prison transport he 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 did the real punisher style thing and after the murder of his girlfriend um went and systematically tortured and and and, and interrogated and murdered people in order to find the man who had orchestrated the death of his wife for drug related things and went to his wedding, killed him, seven other people, and injured like 16. Um, and you know, who 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 knows however many other people just just walk just a murder machine all before he was 18 
And then when he was around 18, he goes to prison, spends a lot of time in prison, like 34 years or something, gets out, is put in prison again for inciting riots, which either were, it seems like might have been uh, retroactive um, sentencing from riots that he incited while he was in prison. I don't think it was riots that he incited while he was out of prison. Okay, but what did he do while he was out of prison? Because he had like five years in between those two stints, and then he had the rest of the time out of prison. Um, And he was released in like 2007, something like that. Yep, 2007. And um, arrested again in 2011. Finally fully released in 2018. 2018, whatever. Um, and then murdered on his front lawn, March 23rd, 2023. Not long ago at all. Well, in the meantime, this is when he uh, he started gaining fame. And this is why we know about him at all in, in, in uh, Western media. It's because this dude amassed a bunch of YouTube followers. Um, he started doing... Um, you know, certain interviews here and there and talking about um, in his own words uh, uh, about his legacy, essentially online. Um, and he, you know, he didn't condone what he did. He didn't um, encourage other people to do it, but he wanted to share his story. I don't know. So, you know, so this guy probably lied about murdering his father in prison to avenge his mother's death likely didn't happen though according to what he told a prison psychiatrist we don't know for sure um we don't know for sure but either way we know enough to know that this dude was a maniac um and he did have a code of ethics and he lived actually a peaceful life afterward um, actually, um, a criminologist who met with Rodriguez in prison. Oh, man, I don't know how these Brazilian names work, honestly. Is his last name Rodriguez? And I've just been saying Pedro Filo, like his first and last name. It's listed Pedro Rodriguez Filo. I don't know. See, this is, you know, I'm not claiming to be an expert on Brazilian culture here. This is why I skipped everyone else's name. I actually don't know. But that's his full name. You know, just take it for what it is, guys. I'm just, I'm just sharing what I got, you know. What more can I say? But I will read this quote to you. Um, a criminologist uh, described him as a charismatic man when um, interviewing him in prison and said that he was, quote, joyful, casual, and intelligent. He fascinated people, and he was a reflection of our society in a country where only 10% of homicides are brought to justice. And that was a quote uh, she told gave to a newspaper. But, you know, apparently, aside from these, uh, these YouTube and uh, slight media-related things, he was just working on a farm after uh, he was released from prison. Um, he lived in a pink house surrounded by greenery with a Labrador dog. Um, neighbors say that um, he was just a, a hardworking, serious, and religious man um, who really loved his dog. Didn't seem to do a whole lot more than that, you know. Actually, he seemed to be a man that w abided by the mentality, if you don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I will murder you, literally. And enjoyed peace where he could find it. And did seem to be pretty religious, always had religious artwork around him in prison, had religious tattoos, um, and seemed to sort of have an angel of death sort of mentality to him where, uh, you know, again, cleanser mentality, except it, whereas most of the time you hear that as a terrible um, excuse. And of course, there is no excuse, but uh, to uh, just murder prostitutes or sex workers on the streets um but this dude actually took out other violent criminals you know i'm not condoning it but 
if you're he was born into violence he was born into a violent culture and not only that into a violent family you know in um an impoverished section of brazilian culture everything all the chips were stacked against him from the beginning and i can't say that i totally don't i i i understand how it happened and I think that if it's going to happen, I guess that's as good as it can get. You know, at least he was taking out bad people. And, you know, he was good at what he did and what he did wasn't pretty. And so how he was taken out is um, some people pulled up in a van with masks. Um, he was holding a child hanging out on his front lawn. He had some family on the front porch and um, they shot him. Didn't harm the kid. Um, but and everyone was told immediately to go inside because I, I uh, from the report that I read, he he sat he set the kid down because someone rolled up with a gun. And uh, so he was shot. They came up, they came out of the van and they slit his throat. And that was that. That was just a couple months ago from recording this now. What is that old saying? Violent delights meet violent ends. And, you know, I think it's fair to say there's a little bit of wrap up involved here, but that is essentially it for any notes I have. Lots of barriers here. I wish I had more. I wish I understood more about the culture and the, the situations that created this character um i wish i knew more about the the characters around this one i wish i had more access to more source material um I, you know i there's so much um but there's enough to be completely fascinated by and you know i uh this guy was technically a serial killer absolutely and you know, I hope I didn't come across like I was fanboying here because I don't think this dude was a good dude. But if there was any sort of uh, excitement here, it's just a sheer fascination that someone like this actually exists. I, I still can hardly believe it. It blows my mind uh, because, again, and we'll, we'll do Kuklinski for the next episode. Uh, before we get any other guests on, I'll do another solo and we'll talk about Kuklinski. We'll get real into that uh, because there's a lot to be said. And he's always someone that's fascinated me. But when you first hear Kuklinski's story, he's billed as this guy with a strict moral code. He was a good family man, um, only killed other criminals, never harmed women and children. Well, he didn't harm women and children, but he definitely didn't only kill criminals. And he also beat his wife pretty regularly and, you know, tried to be good to his kids, was good to his kids oftentimes, but also traumatized them and also tried to be good to his wife too. But, you know, uh, didn't outweigh the fact that he, you know, was not a good husband and he was very abusive. So you immediately getting into the Kuklinski story, you're like, okay, you know, so the glamour, the Hollywood glamour that like was shown for instance, actually in the Kuklinski movie, you know, quickly wiped away. And I wonder how much of that will be wiped away as we get to understand um, the story of this Brazilian Punisher. I wonder. Um, it's not that we don't have anything, though. Um, I do think we have enough to assert that he did have the strangest, strangely strong moral code of any serial killer that i've ever come across um a truly curious character that i don't fully understand the implications of and here's a call to arms you know listeners out there help me spread the mimetic virus here let's get more people interested in this because it's only a matter of time especially with how interested people are in general in true crime i'm surprised this hasn't spread more uh, I'm surprised we don't have some sort of docu-series about this guy. Let's incubate this idea further. Let's see uh, what we can find, you know? Um, and I'll see what I can do as well. Hopefully this is just the beginning, 
and we can learn more about this case in uh in the future but you know i think that's it for now again i can't believe this guy actually existed and i can't believe he lived for so long i mean just that fact alone that usually doesn't happen you can come across a genuine badass but they're getting involved in such intense situations so regularly maybe a soldier you know that person's a badass out there but if you're constantly involved in 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 heavy combat you might not make it how does this guy make it through decades of just the most brutal violence that someone can imagine i don't know i don't know but I said this in the last episode about um, both Michael Alec and Angel Melendez because, you know, Alec had to pay for his consequences. and I don't think he was a good person, but, you know, post-prison, I, I felt a little bad for him. Um, and in some ways, I do feel bad for Killer Petey here. Um, I, I, it doesn't seem like he had um, a great shot to begin with. But uh, you also always have the choice to not, uh, in, you know, just at some point he definitely gave up on the choice and just never gave it a second thought. Um, I feel bad for him up until, you know, young Petey, the actual child. And then after he gave up on even weighing that decision in his mind, you know, then you have to, you know, what more can be said? What more could be done? But it makes you wonder what could be of people had they gotten a fair shake, um, kind of in the same way as Charles Manson and so many others, right? But anyway, I, I rambled a bit. Um, the point to all that, other than just the wrap up being, I hope, I hope reincarnation does exist. You know, for many reasons, including for the sake of uh, uh, this dude here, because. Uh, for such a monstrous person, he thought about it more than most monsters. And I hope in another life he's uh, getting it right, you know, refining himself a little bit, not killing people. In many ways, this reminds me of the old Buddhist tale of Angulimala. Um, I've mentioned this in other episodes before. I'll briefly mention, you can go find this in, in sources. This is a real um, traditional Buddhist tale. Been around for a long time, like thousands of years. Um, and as far as I know, it's like the first literal story in any case of a serial killer. And Angulimala was essentially a... A, an apprentice holy man who was annoying his master. So the master sent him on an impossible errand to collect the fingers of like uh, a thousand people, I believe. Um, something that was meant to be almost surrealist and confusing and kind of just get him out of there. But this guy took it in a way um, to just start murdering people and became a prolific killer that the king had to send people after. And it was only after the Buddha found him in the woods and um, uh, broke his mind, basically, that everything changed for, for the killer. And the Buddha showed him after the Buddha, you know, he tried to kill the Buddha. He couldn't. And, uh, and he said, and, and the Buddha simply told him that you're only good for breaking. And, and you can't create anything. You have no legacy. Nothing is lasting you know, like sands in the hourglass, everything you touch is destroyed. Um, those are not quotes there, but that is the, you know, <laughs> the gist that was given. And um, not only did uh, he, he, he really break and incept the shit out of Angulimala, um, but he like pledged allegiance to the Buddha right there, you know, as like a disciple. And the Buddha um, gave him something that is very, um, unorthodox and, and something that uh, not often done in Buddhism, not often done by the Buddha in the stories, but he gave him Buddhahood right there. And that is um, 
something that um, has always challenged my understanding. How could um, someone understand so resolutely that they might be redeemed right there in the moment? That's almost so intense. It's similar to going into the confessional booth and automatically being cleansed of your sins. But it it's meant to be something Fausty in here, where right before Faust is about to die and his soul's about to be dragged to hell, he has this epiphany and realizes he truly realizes in the core of his soul what he's done and how he's fucked up. And because of his realization, he has a heart attack that kills him. But also because of his realization, he is uh, saved from going to hell. It's not that you can just say the magic words and be free. You have to really feel it. But it's this idea, I guess, of genuine salvation at any time. Genuine salvation, not just magical bullshit words. So it seems that Angulimala um, did something similar to this. And he followed the Buddha for the rest of his life in earnest, in earnest, diligent study. And there's tales afterward where he would go with the Buddha and the other monks throughout the village where they would take their, um, it's like tithing. They would, you know, ask for sustenance, whether it be food or something, um, you know, from the villagers, you know, whatever you can give us. Um, you know, just to help us survive. You're not begging. It's it's like a hey, we'll take it kind of thing. As uh, and we'll also give you our service. Um, and uh, when Angulimala came into town, the people were not very willing. Um, and they would, you know, they would throw things at him. They would hit him. They would abuse him. And he was afraid to go back and see the villagers. And um, he asked the Buddha, you know, what the point of this was. And, and the Buddha just told him, this is your karma. You know, this is what you, you know, what you've wrought from your crops. Um, and this is how you will learn. And he took it. And uh, today he is, um, when you look into the, when you look into the metaphysics of Buddhism, Angulimala is an important Buddhist figure. And so I don't know what that all means, but that story reminds me of Pedro Rodriguez Filo a little bit. And that's what I'll leave y'all with. Um, I hope we can find more out about this story at some point. I hope you found this interesting. And, you know, don't forget to tune in next week. This is Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm your host, Anthony Tyler. Check out divemind.net. Check out my books, Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism, and Hunt Manual, 21st Century Demonology and Fortiana, where I talk about serial killers as well. You can check out some of the serial killer podcasts. You can read some of my excerpts of my writing on my website for free. Uh, you can also check out the UFO documentary I was in uh, concerning the UFO phenomena and psychedelics um, on the Mind Escape podcast Patreon, hopefully elsewhere soon as well. Winner of the uh, Roswell UFO Expo 2023 People's Choice Documentary Award. And that's it for now, folks. Take care out there. Rising. Spit the fire on these vultures, told me go to hell, oh well Rapping for the culture, effervescent life, shining light Spirits in the water, moonshine, never on the mic Death before the sun, the devil's altered science Got to be steady, multiplying Nobody questioning the wisdom of a starving lion My heart is iron, strongest giants ain't as hard as I am You can't change the world, nothing wrong with trying Nothing wrong with dying, righteous on the road to Zion Your mama crying, flooded eyes, dripping, no replying No complying with the system, Victims wanna riot, we write the wrong storming castles with the ultraviolence. We never silence in the war zone, the stem of us. The venom plus exit pace, brain with metal bust. One in the temple trust, leave a tiny mental crust. Ash to ashes, return to elemental dust. Yeah. Yeah. Mimicking hard stars, gimmicking all stars, finicking
sickening and all, ligaments listening all. Trigger the bomb, bigger the dawn, sicker the slip, thicker we all, and it's a trunk. Bigger the dawn, bigger to all, mainstream, fame, stream, kings involved, lurks of flaw. Slipping the fog, a lost cause, frost, bitten by dogs, slitting this wrist, calm, withering all, while y'all bickering on. We know, conspicuous, meticulously on the Lebanon. The veteran, leader like Megatron, with the metal bomb to blow the Pentagon, let's get it on. Like Arnold, you getting terminated Laser beam commit through the eyes You looking mutilated My iris state mutated Yes, it mutated Optic blast for the flash here You getting amputated I'm seeing things like Edgar Casey Being fascinated with the future Can't let my present get confiscated Devastated by the words and the cross Gotta push in the crazy Seeing more flowers in the floors All aboard the soul train You go missing like a course Reloading magazines You tapped into the source On tracks of saddle Watching all them satellites fall Are you hating motherfuckers Kiss my dragon size balls I'm gassed up That's right Pissing out ethanol My approach to making music Like crowbars to the skull Planting C4s on the walls of City Hall 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 City Hall